Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, welcome back for another episode of the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. Today, I've got Tyler Mavison with me. Tyler yes. is, has been part of the book club at Zenium for how many years, Tyler? Oh, four, four or five years. Four or five years. Basically, as long as you've been yeah, at our company. as long as I've been here, yeah. Yeah, and I've always appreciated that about <laughs> you as we talk a lot about books. And that's why I bring you on the podcast. So if you're a first-time listener, go back and listen to some of the books that Tyler and I have discussed. We've talked about grit, how to say anything to anyone. Gosh, what else? The Go Giver. The Go Giver. I mean, there's a lot, one of, thing. a lot of great books we've read as a company. And Tyler and I always make it a point to just let's let's uh, share what we've kind of learned in the podcast and yeah. and uh, give the author a little bit of exposure. But it's just a lot of fun to to be able to talk with these books about like what I got from it, what you got from it, and to just kind of share some ideas. So this book club, we read a book called Invisible Influence. It's actually one of one of the newer books out in uh, psychology. Would yeah, you say I'd it's say a psychology, psychology book? Yep. Yeah. So for you HR people out there, I, I think this book fits in nicely with <laughs> right what you probably like to read. So Invisible Influence is written by Jonah Berger. He wrote the book called Contagious, which is also a great book. It's actually more marketing focused, I think. And and this book actually has a little bit of a marketing element to it. So Tyler, in your kind of own words, what's this book about? To me, what I got from it is how subtle influences can affect your day-to-day life, you know, whether it's personal, professional, or whatnot. You know, you may not be aware of them in the moment, but they're there. They're, you know, the invisible. And when you mean influences, you're talking about social influences, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just the things that are around your environment. Exactly. People that you're around. The things you see or the, the things that people do that may influence your behaviors to some extent. When I started reading this book, I started playing in my head, I, I was like, wow, I really underestimated how much my surroundings influenced my decision making. Did yeah. you feel like that too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was kind of thinking about, you know, going onto iTunes and, and downloading music and you always had the charts tab, you know, so you're like, oh, what's, what's hot right now? What's, what's the top music? And you always find yourself listening to the top songs, regardless of, you know, whether you like, you know, the band or you know, know the artists and whatnot, and then you kind of listen to them like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm going to download that one and listen to that one. Well, isn't that interesting? They just, part of this book, I don't think Jonah Berger did the study himself, but professors started doing the study where they would basically start with a music library, probably unknown artists is my guess. And they did a test with one group and then another. And with one group, whoever started first and were able to rate the, the music, people who then came later and saw that some pop songs versus the rap songs were more popular and it would be probably identified using like the little bars that I, you know, iTunes and Amazon music services like those would show the popularity. And so people would, who came later after those decisions were already made and the ratings were already made, they would come and just go right to the popular ones and just start 
there. So exactly. they're just going to show that uh, the social influences everything. It when is. It, comes to it is. Exactly. Making. Yeah. I mean, you, you see what other people are doing and what people are enjoying and downloading. And you're like, okay, well, that must be good then because they're all downloading and it. And how they, how, I think how they tested, retested this to make sure that, that they didn't just draw conclusions based on one example. They did it again. And in one case, like pop music may have been popular where rap wasn't, the songs in rap. And they have the exact same library. And then somebody who went first chose rap. And then rap became the most popular in the second yeah. study. So that goes to show that people take shortcuts based on the popularity of that specific group. Yeah. And then they just kind of follow. What's, what's convenient? What's easier? I mean, for someone, you know, listening to music, like I can go through the whole top 100 and kind of listen to every song. Or I can just see what other people are downloading and be like, that must be the best song to get so i'm just gonna cut all that time save me some time and energy and just listen to the top choices so i find it fascinating because on one side it's a filter you're Mm -hmm. cutting through time where you would spend like sifting through the best songs or in in some cases you know political candidates or Mm -hmm. or certain decisions you got to make in business and these social influences although subtle help you filter through and make a decision faster yeah you know what to buy or whatever but on the other side there's not a lot of critical thinking that's happening exactly do you see any downsides or or positives to any of this well sure i mean you you might be you know succumbing to you know the groupthink ideology where i'm just going to believe what everybody else is you know believing you've seen it a lot with news outlets and everything where people aren't doing their due diligence and for themselves understanding what they like or what they believe or what they value so it's kind of you become too associated with other people's views no matter what they are if they if you really truly value those views or whatnot and uh you get you can come to that groupthink mentality so i think it's kind of there's a downside slippery slope to that i think i told this story in the book group but and this isn't in the book but it just reminded me of it you, you ever go in those moments where you're like on facebook or something and you just kind of like search, searching through stuff you see a picture or a meme or a video and you just kind of get sucked in well, one of these nights I, I got sucked in and I watched this video. It's a study of some sort where these people are in a doctor's office and there was one person who wasn't, it was like the focal point of the study. So there's a bunch of people who were in it, in the study. Yeah. They, they knew, they were aware. And one person who was coming into the doctor's office wasn't aware of what was happening. She just thought she was going, you know, waiting for a doctor appointment. And... Every like five minutes, this ding would happen. And then the whole group of people would just stand up, not say anything, but they'd just stand up every time a ding would happen. This woman who wasn't, who wasn't aware, she just was like looking around like, what's going on? So after a couple dings and people standing up, she started doing it too. So she became part of that group with the decision. She had no idea why she was doing it, didn't ask the question, but she was doing it. And then sooner or later, these people started filtering into the office. So then she became like the last person there. Yeah. Empty office, just her. The ding happened and the video is still showing. She does it again (laughs) by herself. And then another person who's kind of like her, wasn't aware of what was going on, comes in and then here's the ding. She stands up and this guy's like looking at her like, what are you doing? (laughs) But they weren't even talking. They're just like, this is a silent like decision making thing was ha- unfolding and then a couple things later he stands up too and that was kind of the end of the video yeah. segment but it was just funny because a group may make decisions somebody becomes part of that group maybe the group is 
has kind of moved on and she's kept up with the norms and the even without mm-hmm. even asking why we do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. That's your group thing. Exactly. Right there, where yeah. it can be dangerous. It and, is. But there's this easiness of okay, the group's always done it this way, so like it's just exactly. easy for somebody to come into a group and develop the norms of the group. It's a big proponent of, you know, company culture, you know, if the company's been doing been operating in a certain way that may be outdated or antiquated you know they employees have been conditioned to this one way of life not have any of that devil's advocate why are we doing this is should we be doing something different or whatnot it's it's very interesting to see the conditioning response you know very pavlovian you know where you get that type of nature going with the group thing do you think there's ways are there ways to play the devil's advocate is there are there intentional things that you can do to make sure that you're always thinking of the other side even if you know it's not the right decision is there a way to to do that well i mean i think what we discussed in the book club too which i thought was a kind of interesting point is you know state outwardly that you know i'm gonna be i'm gonna play devil's advocate here and i'm, I'm the devil's advocate i'm the, de- today, I'm the devil's yeah. advocate it may not be maybe too forthright but it's good to kind of say okay well let's think about the opposite side what's the opposite of what we're discussing so what, what can be true for that and what are the downsides of, of this? So it's always good to have both things covered. What are the positives of what we're thinking about? What are the downsides of what we're thinking about? Just going, like, since we're on the topic of meetings, mm-hmm. I always found it fascinating because I did talk about this in the book, and I've actually noticed it in my own, like, my thought process. When somebody speaks and they, like, you get an opportunity to speak your opinion and you go first, yeah. that usually becomes, like, the benchmark and the starting point of the conversation. So you almost get to mold and shape the way the discussion is going to go because very rarely... Well, people come after you and have a completely different opinion. Yeah. It won't veer too far off of whoever went first. And I thought that was a really nice observation in the book. I've noticed it personally, probably just anecdotally. I don't think I intentionally like, oh, I'm going to go first because I want to get my opinion in there first. I think it's just the anxiety of like Mm -hmm. going last is is frustrating. So I, I like to just get it out of the way. What do you think about that? I think it's very true. I mean, a lot of times, you know, people who usually set the tone for meetings are usually the senior ranking members. And so oftentimes when they set the tone, who wants to be the dissenting opinion or have a, you know, a dissenting uh, viewpoint against the, you know, the leader of the meeting. So I think it's kind of, it puts people into a position where they, they don't want to speak out. They don't want to be that differing voice, even if they may believe that's true or not. So it, it's, good and it's i think it's you know beneficial and useful to have someone there that says okay well you know what i'm gonna go against the grain here and say what i truly view and then we can have a discussion about that i think in this book really talks about it in depth where there's a some decision making or or some things that we just go along with the crowd politics was brought up quite a bit in in this particular book and a lot of times people just kind of go with their group Mm -hmm. but in other cases where you're talking about brands if a brand is so focused on the, the particular audience that they know they're going after, if somebody who's not in their little group and they're like, I think the, the example was some reality star that didn't associate really well with the brand, the, the yeah. way they envisioned it, somebody who they didn't really want having the same, the, the coach purse had the coach purse. And so I think they paid them to like yeah. not have the coach purse. Yeah. And I th- isn't that funny where it's like, it could be a turnoff for fans of the brand where if somebody who you don't want associated with the brand is associated with it and it can actually turn you off. You have this whole new group of people taking over like that is threatening to the group. That really comes about when you have in that case, you know, a celebrity who's kind of synonymous with a following that's so counter to what the 
brand of the product mm-hmm. is. So I think you have to have two large, you know, followings, you know, brand people or, uh, or businesses to really conflict. And then you can kind of create some tension. You can create some, uh, some conflict there and, you know, some subversive tactics <laughs> for yeah. your, uh, your branding. So, um, it's interesting how while it, being associated with a brand can be a good thing. Can, you can influence people in a, in a positive way, but you can also influence people in a, in a negative way as well. They were talking about music again, and they were saying how you know somebody becomes so popular, they become mainstream. If you ask a true <laughs> fan, they'll say, oh, I like their earlier stuff. Because oh, yeah. too many people that are mainstream, like on like just different types of people, all of a sudden now started liking their music. I was a first adopter and <laughs> I, I just like their old, their, their earlier stuff because I was like the true, I'm the true fan. Yeah. How true. I mean, that's so true. It is right? so true. Yeah. It can get a little bit, I'll call it a little bit pretentious. I mean, you have this feeling like, okay, well, I'm, I'm so unique that I don't want to follow that mainstream. Oh yeah. Everybody likes they're popular now, but I was, I was there before they were popular. It'd be like me like giving up podcasting because I'm like, oh, I felt like I was there first, so now I need to go do something else. But I wasn't there first. I'm just saying, like, yeah. we're, we started doing these in 2012, and then be like over the last couple of years, podcasting has become so popular. So I could easily say, oh man, I'm okay. I'm gonna go on to something else because you know everybody's doing podcasting now, and it's just it's you know it's not cool anymore. <laughs> like that's, that's the same thing it we're is. talking it about. Is. It's crazy, yeah, exactly. but people do act that way. Yeah, it's it is funny. So. Later on, they're talking about like how certain things are so subtly put in your brain where I think they brought up baby names, where oh, yeah. uh, how they were chosen. And they, there's just such a coincidence with names that sounded very similar. Talk about that whole that whole chapter on... Oh, they talk about Hurricane Katrina and how it's affected, you know, baby names and, and choosing, you know, what, what they name their child. So, I mean, Katrina would... You know, it was a devastating hurricane and then people didn't want to, you know, name their kids Katrina or they actually kind of stayed away from other sounding names to Katrina because it was so synonymous with this horrific natural disaster. So it's like, okay, these subtle things push you with the way you want to name your child even. So it's very interesting to see how people react in just, you know, subtle circumstances. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to your, your child's name. You may even love that that name Katrina but it's forever tainted now they didn't want to name their kids Katrina but I think then they were saying like there was a crazy amount of K names yeah K names yeah so <laughs> even though there's a negative connotation with Katrina so nobody chose the name Katrina yeah. not nobody but just people generally didn't mm-hmm. and that was a popular name probably in the 90s yeah. 80s whenever and so people stopped naming their kids Katrina but they started naming them something with K or something yeah. that sounded yeah. very similar and it's even though there was a negative connotation with Hurricane Katrina. It still had some influence, either positive or exactly. negative. Yeah. And I mean, you could think that's just one example. You think about all the subtle things that hit us on a regular basis from advertising to people in mm-hmm. our office, to our mm-hmm. family and our friends. These things are just said all the time. They have to have an influence on us. I always think of the inception type of thing where they're always kind of ingrained in the back of your mind. So you're like, oh, well, I, I saw a, a negative advertisement or associated with this brand that I don't like this name so I'm not going to name you know my kid that or call someone that so it's 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 very subtle and they can be ingrained so easily too so in my world of marketing I, I see this a lot where if I'm since I'm, I'm looking for content new trends in HR to talk about uh, either on the podcast or write about or whatever and it's like if I see you know, all these news outlets or all these HR consultants or just all these firms putting out content HR related and they're talking about marijuana in the workplace. 
Mm-hmm. You see that enough and you start to say, wow, that's like the biggest issue ever. Yeah. And it may be yeah. like not a big issue at all. Maybe it is. But I'm, I'm just making the point that you see it enough and you start to like focus in intently on that. Yeah. And you're avoiding other things. But the social influence is such a such a it weird is. thing. It, it kind of goes into the business environment too. You know, that mass overflow of, of a certain advertisement or uh, kind of marketing you want to incorporate so if you uh, put that out enough and you keep throwing in at people pretty soon they're gonna say okay well i need to get that product because that must be everybody's talking about it or it, like you said the biggest issue that you know, people are talking about right now well no different than a company culture if you talk about something long enough you start to believe it's like the most important thing so yeah. uh, and i think that's how you can shape and mold a company culture yeah. is you talk about certain things enough or you put enough focus on things and you start to influence the way people talk, the jargon people use, or I mean, if it just becomes part of the vocabulary, or you're always talking about it in meetings, and you're just it's a repetition. Yep. And it starts to influence people's decision making and yeah. behavior. Exactly. It's very interesting. I thought kind of the last chapter was an interesting one because I resonated with this. Well, it was talking about like the the social facilitation of performance. Oh yeah. So meaning like in a competitive environment, perhaps where. You're in the presence of other people where you, you want to perform better or you just mm-hmm. naturally perform better yeah. versus on your own or something. What what was your take on that whole thing? Oh, I, I thought it was fascinating. I think he mentions in the in the book, too, of how people perform better in groups when they were performing, you know, simple or easier. Simple. Ta- that's the key. That, that's the key. The key point there. They, they perform exceptionally well in the simple, easier tasks. But when it comes to, you know, more difficult tasks, they in groups, they actually perform considerably worse so it's it, it's interesting to see how the influence you know social facilitation can uh, kind of influence how people perform and conduct their daily tasks or their work environment tasks and i don't know if it necessarily said this in the book but when i when it comes to the pressure of being in the spotlight yeah i think if you're performing basic tasks to your point those might be easy and you might everybody might perform great if you need to be an expert or an advanced whatever, whether it's sports or on the stage or whatever mm-hmm. you're doing, I think you need to be an expert or a master of whatever you're doing to perform really good in, in terms of competition or, or in front of other people. Because otherwise, you, I think you, you will perform worse. Yeah. You know, no one wants to be kind of called out on something that they don't know well enough. And uh, so, if, sure, if you're like something that's been ingrained in you for a long time, you know, certain tasks that are you've done so much and repetition, uh, you can perform those easily in front of a group and you can show people and demonstrate and, and teach. But at those larger tasks or those more difficult tasks that you don't really know too much about that you haven't really, you know, had the time to work through, you don't want to be doing those in front of people. Otherwise, you're just going to be making it worse. Yeah. When you when you finish this book, what was like the couple takeaways like if there's one takeaway what was the the thing that you can apply to your own life or even in the workplace i just think it's more taking a step back and kind of thinking thinking on your own a little bit and trying to kind of why do i like this certain thing or why am i doing this certain thing or you know what is the benefit of this business process or you know what truly is it i'm not gonna gonna go along with what everybody's saying i can have a dissenting opinion and still be of value so I think it's just kind of being aware of what you truly view and, and value. That's a key point. And I, I would I would mirror that because what you value and what somebody else may value is it could be drastically different. And it's like the the social influence thing, to the point in the book, it could filter and make 
decision making a lot faster, especially for things that you just don't value a whole lot. Like music buying is absolutely one yeah. of those things. Like I'm going to listen to music, so I'm going to go right to the top reviews. Or if I'm going to buy a product and there's like a thousand different products that look exactly like it. Yeah, on Amazon, I'm going to look at the five-star reviews and the number of them, and I'll probably just make that decision. In fact, I did that the other day. Yeah. I wanted to buy a skillet, and I'm like, there's a thousand different options, a thousand <laughs> different brands. Which one do I buy? Well, I buy the one that has the Amazon choice on it with a five-star rating. Like, it, And it's a great product. Yep. So I think there's some there's some things that where the filtering, the decision-making, the social influence is such a positive because it cuts down on time for things that are not high value. Like okay, I'm willing to take a $40 risk. If yeah. it's a piece of crap, it's a piece of crap. Yeah. And and that's my own bad. But in other cases where I'm going to like go along with the herd from a political standpoint, I'm just going to go along with a candidate just to go along. That's If I value that and I care about politics, then that's not the right move. My The right move would be to to read and understand why people think a certain way or, or even in the workplace. Like, why do we make this decision? If I care about the outcome, I should ask the questions and not just go along with the group think. Right. Exactly. And I think far too many people don't ask those questions. Yeah. Either they're too scared to, you know, raise, you know, raise an opinion or, you know, you know, have their viewpoint, you know, say it out loud in a meeting or to everybody. So, I mean, that's importance of, you know, driving a company culture that's inclusive to everybody's opinions, no matter what they may view. Yeah. And I think another fascinating thing is that like some people are just really good at certain things. So or value it more. They're really passionate. And so naturally, like if I'm not a master in that subject and I'm not going to become a master in that or I'm just not going to like go the extra Mm -hmm. mile to to learn it. If I know somebody that I work with is super passionate and they're smart, they're capable and I trust them, I'm going to go along with them. And I think that's the other thing in this for me that I took away is that, you know, if you know the people around you, and if you don't value it as much or you just don't have as much of an opinion, I think sometimes going along with the crowd is perfectly okay. And sure. I think you just need to weigh those options exactly. and be cognizant of it. I think what this book does is it brings things to the surface. It makes you aware. And um, that way you're just not always going along with the herd because exactly. that can be very scary at times if you're not making any decisions for yourself. Yep. Yeah. Cool. What's your rating on the book? You know, I'm, I'll give it a four stars, four out of five. Yeah. It was good. I liked it. I'll give it a three out of five. Okay. I, I thought it was good. I felt like it could have been a blog post. It, you know, <laughs> it, it, it definitely could be condensed into certain points. I would definitely agree with you on that. It's a really well-written book. Yeah, very smart guy. Very smart guy. Very, uh, It's easy to read. So that, that's why I appreciate it about it. You know, you're talking about these, you know, these, these subjects, and, you know, psychology and and whatnot, but it, it didn't seem like it was like you're reading a textbook. You know, yeah. you're you're reading someone's opinions and observations, and and they're adding some uh, scientific um, anecdotes to that too as well. So it was good. I enjoyed awesome. it. Yeah. So the book was Invisible Influences by Jonah Berger. Go out and get it. It's a good. It's a very good book. Easy read. Yeah. Two hundred and forty pages. Yeah. Something like maybe that. even less than that. But good book. Tyler, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank Appreciate you it me. as always. We'll have you back for the next book uh, and maybe another another topic that we have coming up. If you liked what you heard today, go back and listen to the other podcasts. If you have not listened to them, Tyler's got tons of a book podcasts that we've done with him. And we're almost at 100 episodes. Yeah. I think this is like 94, 95, something like that. So we have lots of content out there. That's It's not even... There's a couple that are timely, but otherwise... These are topics that you should hear about all the time. So go back and listen to those. If you're on iTunes, please give us a review. We'd, we'd love it. It helps people like you find the podcast by, by giving us a review and it really help us out. Whether it's positive or negative, I, I, we just love the feedback. So please do that when you get a chance. 
Otherwise, you're welcome to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, connect with me. I always love hearing from, from listeners. So again, thanks for listening, Tyler. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.